sentimiento que truth alarm testing siren been four days and the sun hasn't gone down what, what is happening i mean at first i was guessing in other space because we've run into that a few times hell the fact that this other space bothered to have a sun is is pretty nice it's it, and like all, all that's in the fridge is estonian ice cream like what is going on here uh, i are we just uh, we we might be just somewhere very north or very south, Tormson. I can't be too far south. I have I have issues with the penguins. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we're north. Can you tell Aurora Borealis from Aurora Australis? Are they back to front? Do they swirl differently? Is it like the toilet? Perhaps we should summon some local spirit. Alright, um, do you know anything about, like, Arctic Circle magical traditions? That'd be useful right now. Uh, well, we could put, um, no, I do not. Alright, oh, do I, so. Coca-Cola, Coca Coca-Cola, that has the polar bear. Oh, of course. We do something with Coca-Cola. Of course. Now we just need to find a polar bear. Hey, who's this guy? Oh. Oh, fuck! Uh, what, what are you doing here? We could ask you the same thing. I mean, this is my house. We've been here for four days. How did... What? I mean, I was afraid to say any really anything about it because, you know, you were just talking in there constantly and uh, I, I was afraid to, to say anything because I, that's that's none of my beeswax. What, oh, what okay, okay. Thompson, I think we're in Finland, judging by the... Oh, re oh, really? Well, like, ju okay. ju judging by the extremely mannered approach we're dealing with this. I just assumed it was it was Canada, you know? Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't tell the difference between North Hemisphere people. All us Northerners just look the same to you. All right. So, um, we are a radio show, 33.3 FM, dedicatedly a cult. Wait, wait. And also we're a traveling radio show. Yeah, we're a traveling radio we're an show. We're an itinerant radio show. I mean, I think itinerant involves a level of uh, purposefulness behind our travels that, uh, honestly, I can't in good conscience uh, say is there. Uh, I do like wandering radio show. It's my next. It's my bard character. Also, we'd like to find our way back home to our studio. And usually magic is a bit better when it's more local. Tap into the local character of a place a bit more. Uh, I know this is a strange question to ask, but do you know anything about magic? Like, with a K. Um, I might have heard of some things. Okay. What should we call you, mister? Um, 
I think a lot of people know me as Zomner. All right, all um, right, that works. That works. I think, I, I think for that, let's go by that. I don't, I don't know you people that well, so let's let's give it at that. But you you keep talking talking about this magic. Um, I've um that my first experience with magic was um I want to say like six years ago, middle of a summer at a train station. There was a uh, there's like a long waiting for the train. Normal than usually, like, but it was like a local, like, uh, but yeah, this guy was sitting at the bench and he started talking about a bunch of like, uh, weird stuff All right. and, uh, talking about some stuff. I might get in trouble if I start speaking here. Um, so, uh, like after all, all this talk, he basically, uh, uh, offered us a drink, this, uh, there's this alcoholic drink called Yalovina. And he was like uh, offering to us, and it was basically like a, like a nice liquor. No, not really nice, but you know, I've had later on in my life, I've had a taste of it. He offered to us, and we said no. And uh, he did a drink of it. Se- seemed to be under the influence by th- that point, but like this was like an hour long of, of just blabbering about. And uh, after that, he uh, he like started talking about some shit, and to prove us to. All the stuff that he was talking about to show us that he was real, he uh, punched the chair that was sitting, this like bench, and uh, he punched it, and he smashed it into pieces with a single punch. That man shouldn't have that much strength in him, but he did. He looked really old, but he explained through him like, yeah, we've um, taking a nice sip of this, and uh, and he was able to do that. Later on, I came to know something about that that he was uh, some sort of. Uh, uh, I think I found like through um, this book online that talked about something called dipsomancy, and I, I assume that uh, he was a uh, practitioner of of this uh, school of magic. Mm. All right, so I guess uh, Dirk Allen's work has found his way over to Finland. Yeah. Um, well, alcohol alcohol based magic is old, and any country that has a history of you know alcohol. Yeah, gonna... but they're calling it dipsomancy. And that, that's magic. American imperialism for you. Like even even yeah, magic, no, even exactly. magic. Like every country of the world that's got a drinking tradition is going to have some form of drinking magic. But now everyone's talking about dipsomancy because Dirk Allen's book got. I'm assuming it got translated into Finnish. Like it got translated into most languages. This is an aspect of how things from the American occult underground are like spreading everywhere. And they, do they just yep. straight up say dipsomancy? They don't have like a no. finized version. So, so the, no, the the man called it something different. I cannot remember it from the top of my head anymore. It's something. It was something in Finnish. It's hard hard to translate to you uh, on the spot here. But uh, basically, like I found this uh, through online, which is how I uh, um, how I ah. came to aware of all all this uh, this stuff about uh, occult underground, as uh, as they call it in the English world. We actually have a not not quite a pony here, which. Uh... I mean, this is a very pleasant coincidence if I believed in that sort of thing. Okay, yeah. Uh, if there's anyone that we could have randomly ended up in the basement of, I'd like it to be this guy. While we're in Finland, well, at least. I actually live in the third floor, so this is not a basement. Um, the, the, the windows are just covered all over, and it's dark outside. All right. So. All right. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. And why, why is the sun shining? Uh, 
We established that. that that's that's the light bulb. Um, that's that's <laughs> I, I need that uh, UV lights. You know. The, the, uh, yeah, the, the 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 term for that is a uh, therapy light, Thompson. Oh goddamn it! Again, I've mistaken a single light bulb for the sun. This is this it's is a common mistake. You, you keep doing this one, man. You keep doing this. But um. All right. Well, um. Okay, this is great. We 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 happened to have ended up in the lightless and isolated apartment of someone that actually knows about this shit a bit. Excellent. Yeah. How do we get back home? As I mentioned, uh, you were asking something about like magic and like um, yeah, yeah, and, and stuff like that, and you want to get back home. I I might know um, some people that uh, that are experts on the, on this stuff. I personally don't practice this stuff. It's uh, Something I, I don't really want to touch on, um, yeah. due to my uh, um, relations with uh, certain people. But uh, the uh, I think the most um, biggest like school of magic that I've like seen to gather around near me is uh, Sonomancy. and um, All right. they are a a, a uh, quite huge. I mean, uh, you, you guys have been to a sauna before, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I know that you. I, I know that saunas are a big thing in Finland. And uh, not a, you know, one of those like, oh, it's only um, sixty degrees only in there, and you you have to wear a towel, and it's like you're not supposed to throw water in in the thing because that might raise the yeah. temperature, and you might get a heat stroke from it. No, 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 not like I'm talking about an actual sauna. Uh, wait, wait. I, I've seen this movie. It was called Sauna. Oh yeah, it was finished. Yeah, it's it's a movie. Yeah, it's a horror movie. Um, uh, I haven't actually seen it. All I know of is the ones you the what you mentioned here. So what's an actual sauna then? And how do you use it for magic? Yeah, sauna is a place of like place of relaxation. And originally, when um people like invented it back in the like, I think I want to say like its history goes back to like Stone Age. And and like or maybe like Iron Age or something, but basically it was the the way uh, people in the olden days used to clean themselves because if they weren't near like a uh, um, like a fresh stream of water, they needed to have a place to clean themselves up from all the like the dirt they had on themselves. So they created these um, inside of the like places of their houses or uh, or build like separate buildings for them to um, basically just gather up stones. And heat them up underneath a like a furnace or a small furnace, and then throw water on it to create steam. And that steam would um, like the heat and the steam would um, get around around you and kind of like uh, I don't know exactly how it health ways to it, but basically it was the way to let the the all the grease and the and the mud and all, all the like the bacteria to oh, die, even pores, though yeah. And uh, it it does seem a lot more efficient than like trying to heat up a bath full of water. Exactly. Like steam, yeah, it makes more sense. Just put it all in a room, have some hot hot coals. Yeah, I see. It makes sense. So, and that has been like a tradition since like way way back. Like, and it still exists to this day. Like, almost every single like uh, single story house has one in it, and a lot of apartment buildings have. Sadly, I don't have. I I'm I'm not a I, I got I got unlucky with that and you know I I like to go every once in a while in a sauna but uh, you know, sometimes it's a. Uh, Is it sort of like a bathhouse? You can usually find one like 
within a couple blocks of wherever yeah. you're at. Yeah, there are there, there are some. If you go to a spa, there there's a sauna. If you go to a hotel, there's always a sauna open. Yeah, there are specific uh, places. They're one of, one of the most. Uh, I th- I wanna, don't want to say if it's the most famous, but um, one of like most well known saunas is um, this place in the city of Helsinki. It was this uh, sauna that the uh, one of our former presidents used. To um, to take like all the political leaders of our countries and like uh, like uh, and those who were close to him and like people from like the president of USSR apparently went along with a with a sauna with him and you and uh. his tactic was basically to talk with the people and get him to like into like you know it was a it was a certain type of like had to be there at five you were. You were meant to go to the sauna, and there you would be an hour before before the evening dinner. And during that time, they would like talk about the politics the, and try to like figure out like these tough situations and whatnot. And it has become somewhat of a like a legendary pe- place of this. Uh, I forgot to mention the uh, president, the uh, Kekkonen, who's like um, d- depending who you ask, he he's like one of the most well-known presidents, uh, go- good or bad wise. Um, but um, certainly a legendary, and um, and most of his like policies during his era, um, were like uh, the two to some legends are like have been made in that sauna, which um, I I am in an impression that uh like these sorts of like places are somewhat like important and might have some magical qualities to them. Are but, you insinuating uh, that you had an adept as a as a president for a while? Well, because that sounds totally correct. Who is to say? So. Who is to say? I you. I don't know. You're the one that knows about Finland, uh, apparently. Um, I don't know our uh, president Kekkosen, um, uh, the magical. Well, what background. sort of things can sonomancers do exactly? The beliefs. Of saunamancy are uh, like mostly revolving around the healing properties of sauna, and the, it's a place of relaxation and a kind of a. It's almost like a church. You're supposed to be quiet there, enjoy the heat, enjoy the heat, and then kind of like it's almost like a uh, not a prayer but a, a a rite almost as to like let yourself be cleansed from your either from your physical like. Like uh, ill beings, or like in a in a church from your uh, sins, and so it's like a um, confessional almost, or a rite of passage, maybe not a rite of um, yeah, cleansing. Yeah, cleansing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cleansing is the right word, and uh, the way that they use this is to the longer they stay there, the longer they keep up pushing the water through there, the steam. Like cleanse them, and through the 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 heat and the, the the pain and the well, not really pain, but if you really if you put it really hot in there, I mean, there's certainly gonna be some pain from it. But uh, I've heard like the healing properties and the power to like get people to confess things that they wouldn't otherwise do, as you mentioned before, like Finnish people don't really like open up to each other. But it's some it's well known fact that like usually a Finnish man opens up in like uh in the sauna about things important to them. Mm. 
they get they get defrosted. Um, <laughs> yeah, it opens up. It opens up the pores and the soul. Yeah. So some of the like example of like uh, magical powers that I've I've heard like just like getting ones to um to open up about like get him to like reveal their secrets um some uh, some stuff about like using the the blast oh not the blast sorry um i meant the uh, the the it, it is called lol when when one person like throws water in in this uh, stones and the steam coming off of that um that is called lol and that once that like hits you it it can be depending of of the degree it can be really really um what what, what would it be the word heathening <laughs> get uh burns you yeah burns you yeah burns uh skin off you all right interesting um yeah because it's 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 hot air yeah it's, it's basically a, a steamer you you are a dumpling yeah you're basically you're basically getting steamed it's true um this is like a magical tradition, definitely. I can definitely see where it's coming from, though. I'm like wondering what's the paradox here. So, the paradox there is that because the endurance there usually comes from a personal like satisfaction of like trying to to be there, trying to relax oneself, and all, but at the same time, it takes a lot of like physical endurance to take the heat oh, and okay. not everyone has the endurance there and it's but usually sauna is like usually go there with your partner or your friends or a group of people you might even even know but you you know you're in there to like after like a like a hard days of work or like a, a sports event or something like that so the endurance there to stay long is like it, it is almost like while you're supposed to relax yourself and clean yourself there's also the irony of like if mm. why are you causing this much pain to yourself that will um so if, a, i'll relax even harder than you. you you couldn't relax like me it's exertion through being sedentary mm, yes all right interesting yeah i can definitely get that so i guess um how do these uh adept guys take this a bit too far then like how do they get charges how do they get charges so, that's my question there so they they have to visit sauna and be there at least uh for an hour that's the minor charge um the the exact degree um isn't i i have no idea what it is but the sauna has has to be on so so it will create some some steam at least um the the more significant charge can be created by being there for um over two hours without taking any breaks or visit the, the the sauna for an hour, but you have to throw enough heat there, so it so you are the only person left in there, and um, and the major charge, which is really hard to get, but uh, usually I've heard things about being there for a whole day. You cannot leave at any point while being there. Um, and leaving the temperature lower, like lower than fifty degrees, is like is not okay. It has to go like at sixty max uh, at least. Um, but also, um, th this might be something that I've like might have mislearned. I, I thought I know people like uh, like who enjoy being sauna for a long time, really long time. But uh, some people also said that um, 
it's not about the actual like being there it's more about the 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 power that like it the sauna hits you with so people usually have to get hit like seriously physically get harmed by the heat like have physical burns or or um have other like noticeable like um effects from it like actually have to i i have not <laughs> not uh met anyone who has done this so this take this with a grain of salt but uh yeah, it is. You have to get hurt by the sauna. Um, is it possible to get like full blown third degree burns from a sauna? I don't think think full blown uh, third degree. I mean, if you if it got hot enough, I mean, it is. It's a steamer. I mean, someone could be cooked in a steamer. Second degree, in a long enough period of time. I'm I'm aware second degree burns have been a thing. There's a uh, infamous case of from the Finnish um, sauna. World, world Championship, which was held in, in Finland for uh, slightly over 10 years, uh, um, up until 2010, when during the finals, the last two members, one was a Finnish man and one was a Russian Russian guy, um, sadly I cannot remember the names, but uh, it ended up being that they were the only two ones left at the finals, and I think after, I want to say like, the sauna went over 250 degrees Celsius, by the way. I I, oh, I wow. apologize for something like that. It went really high. Wow. Uh, I want to say... 250 Celsius? Uh, I, I, I can look at make it certain. That's, that's a real ridiculous... That's yeah. a lot. That's that's hot. Yeah, that's basically an oven. Yeah, now maybe 250 Fahrenheit. Uh, I that's will... still an oven. That's... that's... Still... Sorry, yeah, no, sorry. I'm, I'm, I, uh, yeah, 250, yeah, that, that will boil, boil you alive. No, it's uh, 110. Sorry, yeah, okay. like twice a month. Okay, so. Celsius or Fahrenheit? Celsius. Okay, that's so. still. Wow. Yeah, that's um, pretty intense. Alive. Yes, and the. So basically, what happened was that the final, finale was cut in six minutes because they, they realized that the, um, the last two people left in the sauna. Were, were having serious like burns on their body and the russian guy who, whose name uh vladimir la latsensky i think uh and he was trying they're trying to uh, uh give him cpr and uh and and help him because he was not clearly unconscious and apparently um he uh, never recovered from he went he was in a in um coma and then and I, I don't think he 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 ever like w- woke up from that. Um, the Finnish guy survived, but uh, he his like a- interiors were hardened. I think his like lungs got hardened, and his kidneys had failed. And apparently, seventy percent of his body was um, was burned through his um, through this event. And after that, there were no more um, uh, world championships for being in sauna well that sounds like the sort of thing that i could see someone pulling to get a major charge yeah um yeah i'm not putting it out there that these people were involved with that but i'm saying like if if you were to get uh, charges from it would be this kind of event would definitely give you a uh, charge what if the major charges do have that sort of like endurance competitive element like to get an agent but imagine if it's like 
there's two Sornomancers, you have to have another Sornomancer and you have to fight, you have to beat the other Sornomancer. And whoever stays in there longest gets the major charge, unless you both die. Maybe it's not even directly competitive like that. Maybe it's about breaking the new record. To get the major charge, you need to outdo the last guy who got a major charge. That makes it easier, though, because you're just by yourself. But if there's another guy in there uh, who's also like, nah, I'm going to beat you, um, it just it makes it go higher Well, and higher. considering how high this stuff probably already is, I'd imagine... Getting to the point where you beat whoever, whatever the uh, current record is, is probably pretty intensive. But yeah. yeah, if it's two, like, to get the major charge, you have to have two Sonomancers present, and only one of them can get the major? I mean, that could be fun. I mean, maybe that maybe it's not, you don't have to do that, but I could imagine that situation. Um, I know for the fact that there has to be some other people, like, being alone there is, uh, is only for... Um, uh, only gives you like a minor charge because since, since it's a usually a communal thing even though you no know, i enjoy being in sauna alone but that doesn't give me a uh, charge obviously yeah 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 and like yeah it, so it, it, get... it sounds like the adep school is rooted in this competitive aspect to it so it makes sense so to get this the major to get the sig charge you have to make it hot enough that you chase everyone else out of this communal experience is that it yeah yeah def right. definitely being part of yeah I'm assuming that's like uh, considered a dick move to just continue to throw water until everyone is 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 chased um, out because it's too damn. Hot. I've I've been to that situation like yeah, getting the people out there. If if you if there are people who don't like the heat, they usually start pouring it really really hard to the sauna, and that usually yeah, it's it's considered a is dick move. Is it kind of yeah? Is it considered like sort of oh, you're being a macho dickhead sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Is there anything like um? that could be magically leveraged in terms of what water you put on there and what stones you use. Well, I don't know about stones. There are, there are some, like, some people like certain types of stones and there there is some techniques with that. But I don't know if that has anything to do with, like, the magical quality of it. But uh, I know for a fact that uh, people like to pour some, um, some of their beer because usually when you go to the sauna, you usually have... In in the sauna, usually beforehand, you have like a, some some beer or a drink of some sorts, and then at the sauna you have a nice cool beer. And, oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, yeah, like shower just, beer. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and I've I've been. To but what about the old fashioned? Um human bodily fluids that always pop up in the well, rituals. The thing that was coming to mind for me is instead of coals, you have uranium. Oh God. I mean, yeah, there is, I think, the one of the most famous saunas um, of all time where um, they, they tried to, um, to implement something like that with a nuclear reactor here in Finland. But, uh, nice. Um, but uh, I, I have no, no state of fact on that end. I, I don't know what has happened with that. I, um, I think right after the... Uh, I think this was the 80s and or like late 90s, but I still think people after, you know what happened uh, in Chernobyl was like stayed away people from doing stuff like that. It, 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 That's being... like a Finnish superhero origin story. After a stay in a radioactive sauna. <laughs> yeah. I I and I think there are there are some Finnish superheroes, but I 
Oh, I know at least one Finnish superhero movie. Everywhere has its own yeah. superheroes. Yeah. You were saying that, like, two guys made in a made in their hut somewhere. It seems that, like, it makes sense that there is a, a specific, like, sauna school. Yeah. But it seems like there'd also be, like, over time, there would be, like, rituals and things over, that people have used set, set in saunas based on saunas as well. Is there anything... That's come up. Well, I know from I, I remember reading about this a bit where like sex in a sauna, where like that's something that's considered very like lurid and like oh, obviously this is what would be done to like people outside Finland. Uh, people in Finland just consider it like why? What's the point? Um, yeah. The comparison I heard was like it, it's like being really enthusiastic about having sex on your kitchen table, where it's like yeah, there's people into that, I'm sure, but. It's like there's better places for that. Yeah, I think it's when it's it's when it's your kitchen table. Yeah. It's a problem. It's a, a kitchen table. It's interesting, but when it's like the kitchen table you see every day, it's like yeah, there's this mundanity yeah. to it. Some people might get in get off on that. Well, yeah, well, that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like I I suppose I could definitely see like cer- certain sex rituals also being used in sauna in certain context. Well, that. That might be because of the way... When I think of, like, uh, the cultural position that saunas take in in the US, in, like, English-speaking countries, um, when I think of, like, media, when I think of saunas, I think of, like, the mob, like, the um, yeah. various gangsters, like, sitting around in the sauna. I think of the gay sauna, the famous gay saunas of uh, California Those, those are more just bathhouses, think... I believe. I mean, because the thing is just, like... Fucking somewhere that gets that hot is uncomfortable. <laughs> it's just pretty much simple. That's as that. true. Actually, it makes it makes more sense that they're called that they're bathhouses rather than um, saunas. And there was one more thing. Oh, and also health, like the whole um, weight weight loss through saunas. Yeah, it's very much like a spa thing, is how I think about it. At some, least um, around the United States, some spas here um, have what is called a Turkish sauna. Which is slightly more cooler, no less hot, and still you know warm and, and such. But it's more, it releases more steam, and it's more about you know sitting there and and like um, you can throw in some water, but it's def- it's supposed to be like at a certain level of like of like warmth, and it's more about the the steam and just breathing in the steam rather than the the heat and the and the cleansing oneself from the with, with it. I've been to more um, Korean style saunas. Which are different because they don't have the. They usually don't have the the hot rocks. Um, usually they have the ondol, which is the uh, the fire under the floor thing going on, and it's like a it's like a big like it's like a giant sort of brick pot type thing with the the fire under the floor, and you would lie. I would remember some that you would lie on various um, particular stones and such um, that had different properties. I would usually bet the Korean style sauna is like a combination bathhouse uh, sauna type deal. They're basically just putting you in a giant pot, then, right? They're all kind of giant pots, every kind of sauna, in a way. Yes, uh, but it depends. The the, the 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 cooking methods vary. Well, I tend to think of a steamer versus a pot as different implements, but they're kind of splitting hairs with that. I think. Um, so it's interesting. I wonder if there's any like there's different variations on sauna magic depending on like, the particular sauna tradition uh, because saunas saunas 
at least like the the concept popped up independently in different cultures yeah for different reasons i find it really interesting that's like i always thought the name sauna that's that's a finnish word that's been used as a loan word in everywhere else but the uh but everything else like as you said it's it has appeared in other cultures which i find really fascinating especially when you mention like korea which like i have no, no idea about the uh, the the sauna culture there but uh I would be really interesting to hear more about that uh, later on. I wonder look into how that. universal that sort of co- competitive aspect of it is. Like, I know that the Adept School is taking that to a very definite extreme, but, like, Torrenson brought up um, how the sort of the connotations of that in the United States are, like, with uh, members of the mob going into the sauna and using that as sort of a... Um, quiet and remote place to discuss things and you know i could very much see that sort of macho competitiveness applying to a mob culture too that would be interesting because um i like this that whole um the theme in lots of um mob fiction of the uh the russian mafia like out competing the italian mafia and it would be fun to have like this secret <laughs> finnish mafia uh, but it always just maybe get some sort of answers in there as like, yeah, that would be a fun twist because people, I don't think in any like fiction I've seen like a Finnish mafia, although obviously it exists and that I, I would probably, I, I would like to introduce well, yeah, like the, that would uh, be an easy way. The, the local Russian mob has this thing where kind of like what, uh, the Finnish president did, they'll take, uh other mob leaders in for negotiation in the sauna and just crank up the heat on them and, you know, sweat concessions out of them, so to speak. So then the Italian guys are like, all right, we need to bring in the Finn. He's our secret weapon against the Russians. That's a good question. Like, um, things like anything to do with the Finnish occult underground, a lot of it's going to be very idiosyncratic, very culturally localized. Um, so how could we take, some Finnish ideas, Finnish underground ideas, and apply them to other games. Well, we have Sonomancy so far, but, I mean, what else you guys got going on at a local underground, Mr. Zoner? To be honest, like, our uh, occult, occult underground is much more smaller than, like, I wish it could be, like, more more expensive and there would be more thought, but it's a lot of just usually, like, a one single person or a a really tight group of people who usually control like their own sections or well that's or, pretty like, standard actually like... those big uh skirmishes you hear about in the u.s are largely localized to very urban areas so it's not to say that they don't happen elsewhere but like a lot of the most contested territory is usually in the big cities and uh, i'm not sure how big finnish cities get but i'd imagine it's not LA Chicago big. Oh yeah, no 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 absolutely not like um the capital Helsinki. I think it's uh like I think we have like uh 5 million people not even that okay. in the greater area so it's it's uh, maybe something around that um don't ask me. I I don't live there. It's pretty small, but yeah, okay. So it's a bit smaller, but I mean there there's a call undergrounds everywhere. It's interesting to me because even from a longer like a uh, historical sort of um framework um from the pre-modern magic 
I could easily see the occult undergrounds of, say, the other Nordic countries like Denmark and Sweden and Norway, like affecting each other and also affecting Finland, but there being more Finnish stuff, which is just Finland, Finland knows about. Is that is that something that's true or no? I think Finnish ma- school of magic is like on like I think the origins go back to like the old paganist stuff. Well, not paganist. That's more modern stuff. Like the old um, traditions of from the Stone Age and whatnot. Like there's like or, m- most of it is like oral tradition and uh, and some like songs and poems that been told through like songs. So you got the pre-modern magic, and then. You know that's hanging around a lot more alongside the postmodern magic as compared to somewhere like yeah. the United States. I I think postmodern magic, which um I I have come to assume it's your um the, what we are more interested in, that it has been a thing of like being influenced by from the from Germany and and Russia and, and so I think some influence might be from Sweden, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't know anything about that. I I cannot talk Swedish at all. The most noticeable thing I I could think about, like what we have, uh, I don't I don't. To be honest, I cannot figure out what, what we have that other countries don't. But like, when we do something, a it's a thing of like passion. Like oh, we do this thing in a certain way, and and that's what we're proud of, and that's we're keeping that. Or if we're if somebody wants to learn that. We might be able to teach you that if you're like, uh, if you say you're actually interested in. Isn't there a particular like a special word that's used to mean like dogged persistence? I vaguely remember this like a particular like Finnish spirit of like never giving up. Ah, you know what I'm talking about. I think you're referring to the uh, sisu. That's right. That's it. Sisu. All right. Yeah. Um, sisu is a uh, term that. I don't remember exact etymological like history of it, but it became really prominent with um, with the Winter War from the 1930s when um, um, during the World War Two, and uh, it, it was I think uh, I read somewhere like like uh, it got a lot of like uh, foreign like acknowledgement when uh, they were talking about the 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 way the Finnish soldiers were able to like defend from the Russian offensive was through the the Sisu the this like cool um it's hard to describe it's kind of like stoicism like kind of like don't break like your your coolness don't like willpower but but with um it's just you know hang hang in there but it's not such a desperate thing it's something like from within that you have to find like uh just um endure right yeah endure the best you can yeah um so yeah that ties in pretty well with the, the sonomancy actually but also that's a that's a thing that a lot of IDF schools are big on the whole just this uh idea of keep at it keep at it until it works i wonder if in some ways maybe some pre-modern or modernist schools that the equivalents of have disappeared in other parts of europe and the world might be hanging on a bit longer in the Finnish occult underground because of that spirit. Yeah, I can see that. There are definitely some some like subcultures and some things that have like definitely like left a mark in here. Maybe not in like maybe in, in a greater public sense, but more of a like oh we have this thing now we're gonna 
embrace it uh, to our certain hands, like saunamancy uh, and, and being in the sauna, that's a big thing. It's a, more of a national thing. But uh, I think there was um, a big thing, not not invented in Finland, or or not so much anymore as a uh, prominent, but it's still a thing I'm, I know for, for a fact, um, is the uh, demo scene. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard about these guys. Yeah, the um, the demo scene uh, uh is uh, I, so you're you know what what it is? Can you you want to? Oh sure. Um, describe? so my understanding of the demo scene, I mean, it's still around, but it's, it's kind of I don't want to say hacker because that has very certain connotations to it, but very much that sort of um hobbyist software development sort of deal. Uh, the big thing with the demo scene is like they would squeeze all the computing power they could out of these like very small and low power computers i'm talking about you know sort of shit like zx spectrum and uh commodore 64 that sort of yeah. stuff commodore uh amiga amigas yeah and use it to make these extremely graphically impressive or otherwise technologically impressive programs usually just like demos they wouldn't be very purpose-driven to just be like put all this cool shit up on the screen that was really impressive to look at more than anything else that and they're known for that sort of um um i mean something that's similar to adepts in this sense of all right we're not gonna teach you anything if you care about this you're on your own like there's very much this individualistic spirit of Figuring shit out for yourself. It's just, you just it's not gatekeeping if there's no gate, if you have to climb over the wall yeah, yourself. Yeah, exactly. They are known for this sort of um, attitude of elitism. Absolutely. Which is again similar to Odette. Yeah, it's it's this very, it's very, this like very, com- uh, the best I can describe it is kind of like this extremely competitive form of uh, graphics programming focused on squeezing everything you can out of very simple computers. Well, that's actually something that might be not so much about adepts, because if I was thinking of something, some uh, occult underground, some magical version of this, I could imagine uh, authentic thaumaturges who are all working on the same ritual, and they have to sort of squeeze the most impressive effect out of one very simple ritual. Uh, See, what can you do with this ritual? That... That could be a part of a scene like that. Yeah, and I could also, like, very easily see certain demo scene stuff that has, like, a lot of ritual imagery in there. There's, unsurprisingly, a lot of... There's a lot of overlap in, like, hacker spaces and people that kind of dabble in the occult and shit. Absolutely. Um, Have you ever watched, uh, I think, one of the most famous um, demos ever made, uh, Second Reality? I have not. Yeah, it's um, it's a really le- legendary um demo scene. It's on online. You can look it up. Uh, from nineteen ninety three, and it was made by this uh small group of people that went on on a uh, this uh working name called Future Crew, and um they they were really active here in Finland back in the like late eighties to early nineties. That, and I think they won with with this demo. They won like the biggest competition, um, uh, that the demo demo competition that they had at the uh, 
big, our biggest like LAN party here at, called Assembly, um, where all the like IT geeks and uh, and people who like to play video games like gather it up and still do to this day. Um, but the Future Crew um, is, uh, I think, fascinating one. First of all, because the the demos they make they were top notch, but uh, the the team itself um, went along and uh, after 1994 they broke up into multiple other um, groups, mo- mostly like IT companies, um, most of which you w- have not probably heard of, um, ever heard of uh, Buckbear Entertainment. Um, played, uh, no. Played any f- uh, uh, flat-out games, played uh, oh, um, okay. car-crushing games. They, they made those. Um, there was Future Mark, which did um, uh, 3D uh, Mark, which is this program that... Um, Allowed to. It was basically like a uh, benchmarking tool. Um, really, I, I think I had a had a like a demo of it in like 2010 or something like that. Um, but mo- the most famous uh, company of the crew uh, was this small company back in the day called Remedy, and that company um, became huge in the 90s when they uh, made a couple of video games, uh, most notably uh, Max Payne. Oh, okay, those guys, yeah. But I, I, I find it fascinating, like, uh, this sort of, like, this small group went along and became, like, a well-known uh, company with, like, a, in the video game industry. And I think for a lot of, like, Finland has a, I, I think, a really, I don't want to say big uh, video game industry. I think, like, Sweden and, like, Norway has, like, some of the, like, North American big companies working in there. But we have, we have like, you no. Know, these the games I just talked about. We we made Angry Birds. If if anyone oh, ever cares that's about that, right, yeah. Angry Birds is the big one. It's the big one. With the most downloaded freemium game of all time. Well, there there has to be some sort of uh, unsavoriness behind that, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, Why uh, are the birds so angry? What is the occult symbological meaning behind all this? And also, don't forget, even older than this. I don't think you brought it up, but uh, Habbo. Oh, Habbo yeah. Hotel. Oh, I God. <laughs> I played Habbo Hotel. I played it back in the day. One thing I was thinking about this demo scene, before I forget, uh, because I was thinking about what kind of magic could you get from demo scene sort of stuff. And I'm, I assume it would come in lots of different ways. But it just struck me that if there was any kind of demo scene-based magic school, um, it would be funny if the, their equivalent of a major charge was similar to... Uh, the full minute charge major charge where you have to like make your own computer you have to like mine the rare earth minerals and like do the plastic you have to make your own Com- uh, Commodore 64 from base elements and then you get your major that's charge that's pretty cool yeah I mean honestly that makes more sense for the demo scene than it does for uh, full minute because yeah. uh, demo scene has a lot more of that independent streak to it I think um, that like, emphasis on like doing the work by yourself with your own two hands sort of shit as much as one can with computers so taking that it was a logical extreme of all right you got to build the computer yourself you, you you need to come up with your own like programming language that runs it on it and shit you need to come up with your own os I mean, that, your own compiler that, all that, that that's stuff. as it should that's true that's that's the easy part after you've like made the chips yeah, that's fun. That's worth a major charge. That's worth a major charge, I feel. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I could definitely see that. Um, wouldn't be localized to Finland purely, but what I do know is that demo scene is pretty much a, 
primarily a European thing, I think. Oh yeah, uh, like Germany, Europe. Germany, Northern Europe, uh, Finland, uh, Norway. Uh, I think. Too. I Sweden, I think everywhere. I think UK has some demo scenes. Stuff I think too. if if you have like a land cult, land land party culture around, you usually have a demo scene following up. I like the idea. I'm imagining um, a demo zine adept who's got this, like, it's he loves Angry Birds, but he's on this phone, and this phone just looks ridiculous because he's it's it's his own. He made this phone, and he he managed to get to, to download Angry Birds after like di- like like he had to find the rare earth minerals. He figured out a way to get like the and... SIM card to proper like radio wavelengths and shit. Shit, okay. So like obviously there's there's some sorts of magic going on there though. It's um it, it seems to be like because of how sparsely populated most areas are, most adepts are kinda isolated. Though to be fair, what tends to happen with that sort of thing is you get pretty much just as much conflict as you would in somewhere like the United States where adepts are a bit closer to each other. It's just in somewhere like Finland, adepts get the idea that their land, their territory is larger than it is in somewhere like the United States. There are people living in really weird weird places in, in here. Um there are there are of course people living in Lapland up in the north. Um and uh, of course there are the even in the inner lands there's lots of like uh what is it called? Like it's like a forest. It's like forest of like that's like just rows and rows and rows of trees. Just like uh, and it's just people might have like a small cabin in in in, in the woods and just like uh, th- that doesn't completely unheard of. That like historically there's been like cases of uh, magic users um, casting like counter spells and and, uh, and like curses to each other and uh, even in the national epic the kalevala there's uh the the book literally like the the story starts with the main character of and literally singing a guy to a swamp because uh, he's like oh this guy's challenged me to a duel all right well um i'll i'll sing you to a swamp uh, how do you like that um there's always seems to be uh, this kind of like uh, like luring him into the swamp so he can drown not lure no he literally sings the let the let the earth around him turns into a swamp, and then the oh, guy gets, okay. starts to get swollen, and then the guy, and then then the guy goes, well, um, please, uh, I'm sorry, um, please take my uh, uh my uh, sister as as your wife. I, I don't want to die, and uh, it's it's a complicated thing. I, I'm I'm not gonna get too much. Well, into I, no, I'd be interested. I'm interested in hearing about some of this um these old older magical traditions. In Finland, if you know much about them, I can see a postmodern version of this, which is just like karaoke, but it turns someone into like it, like it's an attack. Oh, I could definitely see karaoke magic. And, yeah, yeah, you could definitely I, do something. It, that's that. not a thing. Uh, I, I, I thought that's uh, that's already a thing, but uh, I might have misheard through online. Is karaoke magic? Is there a karaoke at up school? There's too so I, fucking many. There should be. There should be. I, I agree. Well, I wouldn't be surprised to see that up on like the old natural phenomena site somewhere. The uh, Kalevala is is really interesting. There's some really because it's a national epoch that was. Uh, Did you say Kabbalah? Just to be no, uh, no Kabbalah, no, no, no. I uh, Kalevala. That's, okay, it just sounds a bit similar. Yeah, no, no. Uh, 
but but the book is interesting. I, I know for the fact that some occultist in the 20th century like did like a whole book of like trying to connect the 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 whole book into like ancient Egypt. I don't remember. All I, right. I, I, yeah, I went, it's the sort of thing some occultists uh, would get up to. Uh, of course. Yeah. Of course. This was like he was like an early theo- he was influenced by theosophy and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and uh, okay, yeah, he, like I'm sure you, like Finland has to have its own like Crowley sorts, right? Um, we have a bunch of them. Some are more um more famous, like more like they were like people who had seances and were ta- one of the most famous one talk had actually like talked to like pre- our presidents like was like a aide during the during the war or not not an aide but it was like the like president World went War Two. Yes, uh, went. Okay. Uh, yeah, we know there's there's some like uh, I think stories about that, but um I think these people while they're more influential and uh, more probably on the better side, there's I think for more infamous side there there are a couple of people who who are i think are more not to say more worthier time to talk but i find them more interesting in a fact that these people i i truly believe have were real life like uh one of them is an avatar i'm like 99 okay sure. okay and one of them was a uh well I, i'm not sure about the other guy we'll we can get it get into him soon but uh the first guy I want to talk about is uh, this man called Pekka uh, Siitoin. Uh, he was a... Um, how do I put this? A Well, he was a Nazi occultist. That that, that should, no, immediately be a... Uh, okay, uh, he should disregard whatever he's thinking. But uh, he became really famous here for spreading... Like, during the age of, like, not this kind of talk not being a popular thing it was like more of a high society thing uh, like talking about theosophy and uh, like occultism he was like more of a layman in 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 that era i uh, that's how i come to understand it but he was more noticeable for talking about satanism and like uh, talking about like um racial um racial doctrine and stuff like that like and and stuff like that yeah um really really um i i'm not gonna say anything good about him. the really horrible person um pretty much all around but really interesting i think the way that they their lives were they sure uh, they claimed that they were their their actual life they, they were adopted uh, but he, um, he, he, he claimed that uh, his father was an uh, SS officer, and and he was like uh, uh, a, a some like some SS officer who was in Finland during the World War Two, and his mother gave him away because he she couldn't like um, raise him, and um, and he's using he used to use that as like his like backstory to like promote his like Aryan um, like race connection and uh through that um he over the years he started to um to uh like he was really in- interested in like uh f- filmmaking and uh and um he he was like up until like i want to say in the 60s or so 
He, okay, was so like, yeah, this guy got prominent in like the fifties. Yeah, yeah, he was. This, this was like way, like sixties, seventies, some somewhere around that. Um, he he was he became um aware in the national um scene. He was already known like locally in the in the western uh, Finland in in certain areas due to his like um things in the. Uh, uh, magazines were talking about ufology and occult and, fringe, and whatever. Yeah, yeah fringe, yeah, fringe magazine. And um, through that, uh, he started to get, gather some like grouping of people, and uh, and eventually so to confirm, like, okay, and he like he was blatantly a Nazi um, as he was publishing all this shit, right? Yes, yes. He, I, I don't know exactly what point he completely turned into national socialism. Okay, so wait, was, he was there was a point where he was somewhat prominent but not a nazi basically what we we can know about his his stuff that in in the 70s he became neo-nazi there's no exact certain point what okay. turned him turned into and th this was in his like uh in like mid-20s or so and he started founding several like uh organizations for like political organizations which was illegal because um Due to after World War Two, you couldn't have like um, Nazi organizations. Um, what happened first? The politics of the French stuff. Uh, the French uh, stuff happened first. Okay, so was he like publishing and all that before he was known? Before he was like a Nazi? No. Uh, so interesting. So he he was a disciple for Finland's best known clairvoyant uh, Aino Kassinen. The uh, okay. this, uh, and she was the person who. Um, uh, President uh, President Ruti used to talk to uh, in the forties in the war, and she taught him uh, as a bunch of other other students in uh, back in the sixties. And in the seventies, some for some reason he became a neo Nazi, and in during that time he started to write bunch of books about and pamphlets about politics and occultism. He released uh, books about black magic, where he where he taught about like uh, how to serve Satan and. Uh, how it oh, was okay. like uh, for yeah, one um, of these kinds of guys. Yeah, <laughs> you can get the kind of it. and the yeah, public consciousness. Um, yep, sorry. Yeah, the very edgy, satanic Nazi sort of guy. Basically, like, all right, I want to transgress upon every popular value I can find indiscriminately. Pretty much. Pretty much. He became in the 1977, uh, He became um, international wide recognition when he uh, bombed a uh, this publishing house for oh. uh, printing a communist like newspaper, and he and a bunch of other people got caught and um, they were sent to jail, and uh, and closed their like organizations and 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 they were put rest. Um, during this time on on prison. I found through um, this uh, book I ha have with me. Um, it, it mentioned that during this time he managed to turn a person, a uh, Maoist, to a national so socialist in prison. It, a, just they had uh, over time he managed to talk over this this guy over to his one of his like supporters, which I found uh, like he must have had something like even a a a man who's like this. Uh, this level into like fringe stuff has to have some sort of effect on yeah, people. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's easier to turn a Maoist into a Nazi than just like kind of like a standard liberal into either. Look, listen, we can still kill the landlords, but yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Like, if the horseshoe theory is real, there's definitely cases, a lot of cases of people kind of jumping the halfpipe, so to speak. I mean, speaking for America, at least, Maoism here is very much an edgy thing. Like, even among, like, leftists. I tend to kind of think of Maoism as just, like, school shooter leftism. (laughs) I don't know, it's not that much of a stretch to me. You know, people make the jump from left to right, but they usually stay as extreme as they were before they made that jump. Sure, I am. It's it's it, to an extent like Maoism. It, if it manifests in certain areas, it makes like if you're looking at like the Naxalites yeah. in India and that sort of Maoism, it sort of makes ideological sense for them to be Maoists considering their situation. Yeah. But when it's like some kid in the West, like specifically Maoism is an odd choice. To quickly go over his like later turns, that was like basically what what it was known for. Basically, kind of like a Anton Levey edgelord figure, but also a Nazi. Yes, yeah, exactly. Right. After he got out of the prison, basically he writes a bunch of books. He starts to in one of the books he names himself the Archbishop of Satan, and uh, and starts to like <laughs> this promote. Guy is such a fucking tweet. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, he uh, during the eighties he records a Nazi punk album that uh, gets pretty much no no like recognition, but it's still out there. But I I have no interest in listening in. But um, and after that the nineties came and which basically turned kind of over the the skinheads started to become a thing, yeah. and he was more seen as a, well this guy is is an absolute joke we'll we'll pull, pull him like aside and then he dies in 2003 and um yeah not much right. else is to like really interesting that i could find about him but basically what i what i'm i'm 99 sure that he was something of a avatar or a failed avatar of demagogue i could see him doing mm. some sort of avatar stuff i'm not sure if he got anywhere close to god walking but absolutely not yeah definitely not but he was i based on what i've read about him he he kept like after like the his like interest in occultism he was he didn't feel like uh that the there was anything anything against that nothing could change his opinion on on the facts that he put out he he literally believed that he was like talking to satan in in his dreams and and whatnot I, I think he's, like, the closest, like, public, like, known, like, occultist that I, I could say for certain that has, like, definitely been in into the deeper ends of occult underground and then brought that um, into the, uh, almost into public knowledge, but, but kept away because failure. Yeah, yeah, a lot of those guys end up channeling the demigod, even accidentally sometimes, just by doing the sort of quasi-cult leader shit that people like this are often into. They like having followers. The issue with this kind of demagogue is that they're always going to be limited by the fact that they've chosen a very narrow niche of people that are going to be interested in what they're on about. Yeah, yeah, they're they're probably not going to... Uh, make the leap to being a full-blown popular figure, though it's not unheard of, especially in times of uh, severe political instability, that weirdos like this end up actually finding their way into pretty high up positions in government. 
I do feel that like uh, sometimes with these sort of figures, especially when they're like the figures that are bringing the occult awareness to the mainstream, one of the reasons like groups like the sleepers or whatever leave them alone is because they are unappealing to the masses because they they make it look terrible. It's kind of like a these are the sorts of people that occultists are like. Don't get involved with the occult kids. Let me. Oh god, look at this guy. That does look like what you described. Exactly. Okay, he has to be at least taking a little bit of the piss. Cause, like he, He's on the crapper. His pants are around his ankles. He was, he considered himself a, the wool chorology was the, like, kind of like, what it was, he called his, like, school of thought. Yeah, so it's straight up just be transgressive, be disgusting, for its own sake. Uh, you know, the, a lot of the same sort of shit that LeVay and Crowley were into. Yeah, I, but I never got, like, a thing from his text that he was an... It, like now that you mention it, it makes sense that he was just being a really good like. Yeah, does he seem like very committed to the tenets yeah. of national socialism and white supremacy <laughs> and all that shit? At least he had an ethos. Yeah, I'm not sure if he did. I never read his books. Um, I feel like that I, I would be bored to death immediately. Even well, yeah, like in a, the thing is like. In Finland, right? Right after World War II, a Nazi was pretty much the edgiest shit you could be. Especially if it's... It, whenever anyone is both a Nazi and a Satanist, it's just very obviously they're just being an edgelord. Yeah. Trying to choose whatever is the most shocking thing that they could find. For me, I think he represents something of a ridiculousness and more of a jokeness. But at the same time, there's like... If a man is so dedicated on his thoughts, there must be something like something underlying in there that's well yeah he, he he obviously took himself pretty seriously he was just kind of uh again an edgelord i think is the best and you know i i i don't want to put too much of a bad rap to edgelords um but th there's a point where it's just like th th there's nothing behind it you know there's a point where it's kind of obvious that there's like it's just offense for its own sake I was gonna say, like, is there a, a school for a school of magic for edgelords or an avatar of edgelord? But I think, as you said, if there's nothing behind it, then I can I see an adept school that uh, a lot of adept schools are kind of fundamentally about missing the forest for the trees. So if it's like, okay, he, here's an adept school about being edgy. It would probably be about being edgy with as little ideology and ethos behind it as possible. It, it would be interesting because uh, if there was an edgelord-based ma magic school that was, like, sort of uh, charging up... Offending people. Yeah. Offending people, it would be an interesting reversal of your usual edgelord stuff because they would quickly learn, oh, I haven't actually offended this person, I've just bored yeah. them, so I have no I have no charge. Damn. Because a lot of um, edgy humor is... It's not that offense. It's 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 offensive, but it doesn't you really make you offended so much as just like, uh, all right, I've heard this before. It's like the, the when people bring up the the, the uh, what was it the one joke, um, which is the joke uh, identify as an yeah. attack helicopter. Oh yeah. Was... Um, but it, everyone has already heard that joke a million times. Like, and it's like, yes, we know it's the one joke. So if this is. This is one side of Finnish occultism. 
um, or the occult underground? Is there is there is there is there a a better face? Yeah, this is very much sort of the shit that you see in the occult mainstream. This is like the these sorts of guys are like the er example of occult mainstream. Right, guys like right. Levey and Crowley who are like very much trying to cultivate this cult of personality through uh, offense and tr- transgression around themselves. Right, right. I want to talk about the uh, this um, definitely a person of um, uh, as you might have said before the in the occult like uh, public knowledge uh, wise more known, but uh, still uh, someone that I I've only came upon on listening to one of my favorite band Finnish bands Kingston Wall, and I found about this guy uh, Eeyore Bach. Um, known as a, uh, he was a a uh, Swedish-speaking Finnish tour guide. Uh, as as uh, as the, in the Wikipedia mentions, he's an, he was also an actor, mythologist, and uh, eccentric. He, okay, he, well, yeah, uh, I, I think any sort of mythologist usually skews a bit eccentric. In the pretty much what what he became famous for, he start he he in the eighties started to talk about his family history of um apparently his family went like line is like goes back to like uh, to the age of like uh like the ancient times to basically he started referencing stuff from the Kalevala the national epic and okay. it, it and was like to, for reference when does that date back to like the events of that epic so supposedly when are they from it I, I don't remember if there's any specific time frame because it's it's not in, in a certain way, but I think it goes before Christ in like 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 at least like a few like thousand years. And um basically the, the it's it's about basically like a story that was written like in the in the eighteen hundreds and it was basically like kind of like creating a national identity. And this man um started to connect his family history to to like from from there to modern day Finland and started to um connect stuff from like oh um in in the in the in our family history there's this oral tradition that's been played up from more and um the, there was stuff like yeah through ice age um the the family was like moved on on towards called the um from Eurasia and talking about like cultures descending from the historical kingdom of Eurasia and uh, and um talking about like all okay, sorts of was it certainly the kingdom of Eurasia? Yes, kingdom of uh, okay, Eurasia. Okay, so and, we're dealing with some like lost ancient empire sort of shit. Oh right? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and uh basically he he started to based like this history to like uh, Scandinavian alphabets like that the F- Swedish and Finnish languages use and uh and the support that he used like th- like the Scandinavian folklore on behind that and he started to explain like this great weird mythology of like um of that that is like is connected to one and he wrote this like series of books called the box saga which which told like the Basically connected to um, the this ancient f- f- folklore to to his family line and to the present day. Um, most famously, 
um, that uh, me and my friend who introduced me to his uh, this uh, lore um, is is what what he what he is most famous for in in the books is uh, this insight into this pagan culture uh, of like this ancient tradition called uh, um, um, how do I how do I describe it? It's basically sperm magic, where um, uh, the the man like every single like alphabet is some like how they're pronounced is connected to um like a ejaculation or or a way of like uh giving oral sex and um and so, okay so is he claiming that every phonetic sound in the Finnish alphabet comes from uh oral sex or the no. kinds of ejaculation no, 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 no. Uh, basically, how I understood it from it that the the words and and things mentioned in in those uh, in 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 the languages are like, oh, this this is how we like. Basically, the guy like came up with this. And according to this book, it was basically doing uh, like some sort of weird like yoga in in like somewhere in India, and he he came across with like I'll like do these sort of positions. It's kind of like the the way I'm I'm like at and I'm trying to 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 shoot my shot into my mouth would it would create this sort of sounds and uh, this is how I understand it. This, this there was some like wait it's it's how they were originally meant to be pronounced. Is he saying that language came from autofellatio? I believe so. Is if um if I'm not mistaken here and no I'm I'm not mistaken he it was he started to talk about the uh, the yeah yeah literally nice. it, it's oh, literally right. about like sure. and like he connected sure he he connected these all these like languages like um stuff of like this naturalistic philosophy where it was regarded as a virtue to save not spill one semen or female ejaculate. That's that's pretty that's exactly. pretty standard. You see that show up in a lot of cultures. Uh, s- semen retention is a pretty um, pretty common thing across the world. Is like the means of preserving one's virility and power in various ways. And though I, you know, usually it's just y- you don't come, or you somehow through discipline. Reaches the ability to be able to achieve orgasm without ejaculation. I've never heard of have a closed loop by just jacking off into your own mouth. It's interesting to me because I'm thinking about how in many ways consciousness is the self aware of itself. It's a, it's a recursive loop. And you could say like maybe it maybe it came from monkeys self-relating. You know? Consciousness is of, literally all... just sucking your own dick. Yeah, in a way. Well, yeah, it's Ouroboros, right? Because, yeah, it's what we... Our consciousness, our ego, uh, seeks pleasure and makes pleasure itself through its own... Yeah, I know, there's, there's something there, I think. I've heard of the stone ape there. theory. I've never heard of the self-filating ape theory. You heard it here first, folks. We're breaking new anthropological ground. It's... Uh, so, apparently, it was not only the, uh, the self-filating show, but actually drinking of the sperm watch was also 
on the ontological level a a required part of lear learning the the these called alphabets and um <laughs> yeah it's okay so is this like a mystic alphabet or is he making some claim about language as a whole I, I, th I think it's it's the whole he is trying to like come up with like a, like the connection between all all like the words and shit and uh... oh is he trying to be like okay there's like some foundational language that all at least like eurasian languages root spring from that's something you see a lot the source of all eurasian language comes from people drinking their own cum all right sure I've heard weirder. Okay, how many... Okay, there's 29 letters in the Finnish alphabet. How many of these are redundant? How can we break it down to just the basic 23 uh, letters that come from the, the chromosome uh, that, are, that are... In sperm, yeah. Well, yeah, the number of chromosomes in That's sperm. Right. Now, I think to break that down, you'd probably need to do some sort of ritual or that would be some sort of... a. In a UA campaign, that's probably an objective is to <laughs> is to uh, is to like oh we want to refine the Finnish language. How do we do yeah. that? Well, boys, I'm sorry, you're gonna need to jerk off into your own mouths. It's a, it's a required step. The, the, I mean, to be fair, autophilatio is like a pretty powerful component of any gutter magic ritual. It just requires some serious flexibility to achieve. It's the way to speak the words of power. It, it, it makes sense. Or then there's the shortcut. So I heard growing up, which was just surgically removing one's ribs. I'm so glad that we got away from the, the crassness of the Nazi Satanists. <laughs> and, and now no, we're, we're in much more wholesome, uh, wholesome and enlightened territory of uh, the source of human language coming from <laughs> sucking your own dick. Which, from what I've heard, is closer to sucking dick than getting your dick sucked. So, there you go. Don't leave me hanging, guys. Well, he, he apparently he came up this when this like like visiting in India, like uh, like he was uh, doing some some mantric yoga. Yeah, after learning some very uh, impressive yoga. What time period was he in India? Uh, 80s. Okay, 80s. Because I do know that, like, there were a lot of practices that got brought back from India um, throughout the, like, the, from the early, from the late 19th century onwards. And, like, sometimes it was, like, Western misinterpretations of, like, Indian traditions. But sometimes it was also just, like, particular, like, yogis who weren't really yogis who would just be like, yes, this is our tradition. Follow me, I'm the teacher. When did the whole like, tantric sex thing really get popular in the West? Ooh. Because I know it's been floating around for a while, but I don't know like when that first kind of entered the, I guess, the zeitgeist. I think early 20th century, I think, or late 19th. Yeah, it does seem like the sort of thing that theosophists would be getting into and shit. Mm. Anyway, but this is... Well, there was a lot of theosophists in uh, Finland, wasn't there? Yes, there, there were there were a bunch. Oh, um, okay. There were a bunch um, influenced by um, in the uh, in the uh, by uh, works of Blavatsky and and um, and all, all others uh, in the early early nineteenth uh, century. Uh, sorry, not nineteenth century, twentieth century. 
um they I, I think there was a bunch of like who went and created their own theosophical societies and there were a bunch of like smaller like that are basically like uh what are those um uh roast nights uh, i don't know it's a uh, i don't know if, do you, if, what do you mean by roast do you mean like a barbecue or do you mean like <laughs> like a roast that, shit? no oh, like, like a, a roast okay. like the the plant and uh oh the, rose nights okay i heard yeah. roast it's like wait yeah. <laughs> is this no. like a ritualized form of like the comedy central roast is that what we're no. talking here <laughs> no <laughs> i don't that's think that's a great idea Roasting isn't the big big thing here. We usually have a lot of, I think, more. Well, I could see that being like combined. I know that's not so much a Finnish thing, as far as I know, but I could see roasting being combined with like neo paganism is through like skulls and shit. We're, we're doing a roast, but you have to do it in like the original ancient Swedish or whatever. <laughs> anyway. Um, so you, what do you mean by rose nights? I'm not familiar. Let's, with let's uh, go back to rose nights. They they were basically like a free thinkers and like basically like out of like in the 1920s they like went off by this guy called uh, Pekka Evras who who ba- basically said fuck theosophy will I'm going to go make a, make my own club and it was basically like uh, named after the yeah it's from a Germany named Rosenkreuz. Which uh, which means like, oh, uh, rose the cross. Rosicrucians. The Rosicrucians. Yes, that's okay. that's uh, yeah. Sorry, I I got um yeah. They were they were basically like free masonry stuff and yeah, it's and a secret stuff. society. Yeah. yeah, um yeah, we've had like a lot of famous people involved with like um, stuff like that and uh, uh-huh. but they were but they are always as you know there are no secret societies. They're really hush hush and of course you had to know a guy to to get get in um. A lot. I think a lot of these. Uh, I mean, it, it's probably not so different from you guys, but I, I think Finland has has always been sort of a more acceptable with the, like uh, with the feminine side, with like not feminine side, but more like oh, we can let women in um, in okay, like a bun- yeah, bunch sure. of stuff and uh, yeah, a lot of those secret societies tend to be men only. If they're influenced from theosophy, that makes sense, too, because, like, one of the big things about theosophy was it was, like, a a cult group that was much more egalitarian than most of its contemporaries, and that's right. one of the places it drew so much of its pop- relative popularity from. Or at least egalitarian with regards to gender. I know they had some pretty weird ideas about race. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I've, I've heard what some. what late nineteenth century, early twentieth century occult society doesn't have some wacky race theories? Wacky yeah, races. Wacky races. That's terrible. That's a oh no. That's gonna be in my head all day. I think Finland. Um, since we are we are living in such a backwoods country, to be honest, like and all all, all things aside, like as I've tried to convince, like oh how much cool weird shit we have, but in the end we're just a backwoods country. We don't have like much of collection to a much of stuff. You might be backwoods, but there's never like just a backwoods. I mean, th- there's that whole folk horror thing, right? Yeah. That's really big nowadays. Uh, is there any fun shit related to that that you can think of? Well, I watched one movie that I could think about. It's uh, from like 1950s. This Finnish uh, horror film called uh, "The White Reindeer." Okay, um, interesting title for a horror movie. That sounds yeah, like a Christmas movie to me. 
it, yeah, <laughs> it's about this. Um, I, I, if I remember correctly, the plot is basically about this this girl that um, that falls in love with this uh, this man. They get together, but the man doesn't like have a time to like appreciate her. So she wants to get his attention. So he turns to this like shaman that lives in in this all, all movie is set in like Lapland in like a cold winter, and he met, goes to meet this uh, shaman who basically uh, shows it, it is I think it's implied to her that like she has some connection to like supernatural all throughout, but for some reason she goes to ask the shaman for help, and the man basically gives like okay drink this and you'll you'll get his attention the first you have to sacrifice a reindeer like the first thing you go home you have to sacrifice and and then he'll love you more than ever and he go, uh, she goes back and kills the reindeer and um thing weird things start to happen um she uh i don't do i want to spoil a 70 year, year old movie here or uh i'll defer to you whether or not you think uh a 70 year old finnish movie is a fair game it's well to to tell talk about the horror folk horror elements basically there is uh, this like a huge reindeer like statue and she goes and the man has given her like a pet reindeer and she kills it and this somehow turns her into a reindeer and then okay. she she starts to go and kill all these other males that are like around like his uh, her husband and it's it's a whole thing it's basically like a tragic horror story almost like a werewolf movie yeah but it sounds kind of like a fairy tale in a way too yeah ex 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 exactly it's not, not not really a scary film it's really beautifully shot for its time like i couldn't believe like oh in 50s they made like this sort of a film like, really also i could see how that movie could like be structurally set up as like a slasher movie yeah but where the slasher villain is just a fucking reindeer yeah it is a bit of ridiculous like she basically like at one point like she like seduces these people as like reindeer like these hunters like all by themselves and then she turns into a woman which confuses them and then she'll turn back into reindeer and, and kill them with with her horns and it's like uh i'll there's... go on record saying that i think there should be more killer woodland animal movies you know that you got sharks crocodiles all that giant snakes all that stuff not enough movies about killer reindeer i'm just i'm just imagining it's a ski resort in finland or something like some sure. resort of some kind and you just remake the jaws situation but with like a giant killer reindeer get everyone off the slopes but no we can't have people off the slopes our economy depends on this it would be it would be something <laughs> and just like jaws it ends with the reindeer getting blown up yes yes i i find there this, you go uh, i'd watch I, that i'd definitely watch that i'll i'll send it i think how... Horns. <laughs> that's, that's already a movie. Oh, no, no, antlers. 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 There you go. There you go. Um, I I see it more as like you could definitely like remake it more like a gritty reboot, like a slasher movie. I mean, you 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 have your uh, your Friday Thirteens and. Have you seen like stags after they molt? It's fucking terrifying. Oh yeah, um, moose are not a not not a thing to fuck around here. Um, there are lots of like. Uh, not, I think 
the second most reason for like car crashes here is because of moose and uh okay you don't I want thought to... moose were only a canadian thing huh no no they are definitely a thing in here uh northern europe um really scary to when it when it gets really dark in the early um early august or like early uh, october and then you like at 6 p.m dark road and all of a sudden something moves from from the side of the road yeah yeah like, something you know, fucking gigantic yeah yeah and worse than like a a deer or a something like it probably will well yeah that's the thing like a deer a deer on the road you hit that with the car a moose on the road the moose hits you yeah um i don't know how, how that relates to ua other than like well probably um there would be someone who tried to set this up these uh these moose cra- moose grasses for a ritual purpose. Oh, absolutely. It's the way that like Hanthropy works in UA, right? Where it's this weird thing with demons and animals. So I can very easily see a moose like Anthrop, sure, why the hell not? I mean, honestly, something that's come to mind in the past is like you could probably to a certain degree make UA like Anthropes artificially. Yeah, specifically summon demons into animals, extract those demons, and then throw them into a person. I I can definitely see that there are a lot of like in in like Finnish mythology, there are a lot of um, animals are held in a high regard, especially yeah. uh, bear. Bear used to be a thing like you, people couldn't call it a bear because it was a holy animal. They had to give it like a different like nicknames for it to call it out because they. Didn't oh, want so you'd to. have to name bears the way you would people. Uh, no, no, not not like people, but they gave it like nicknames like uh, uh, mead. Uh, basically, like what translates to English is like a mead hand, or um, okay. or like uh, they would give them actually like uh, Finnish names, Otso, or or um, there, there was another big name, but they they had like different names for it. And, the woodland uh, yeah. creature that must not be named. Yeah, exactly. They didn't want to get the wrath of it, of it. Um, um, yeah, I, nowadays I think that's more of a pagan thing. It's bears are rarely a threat here. Um, that does uh, remind me of that uh, viral video of the um, the Finnish man just yelling at the bear until it goes away. Yeah, it's yeah, it's. I think yeah, it's more of annoyance really if, if that happens to be. Um, if you're ready. I remember uh, all the comments being like, oh. That's very dangerous. That bear shouldn't have been so close to the fin. Fins are very dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, would you like to be uh, I mean, next to someone who's like, who's like yelling you in a weird language and and like has like three different consonants in in a row and uh, it just yeah. Step in the situ- exact situation more likely than you'd think. So I've gotten a bit used to it. You seem nice. Oh, thank you. You like, you've let us stay in your house for four days. So I don't even say no peep. So yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, I, 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 I'm not sure how much of that was just wanting to avoid confrontation. It's... Oh, that's a good point. Actually, that's that. That brings up the fit, the spiritual, the spiritually Finnish. Oh yeah. Um... Uh, because I believe I found this for you, Zomna. The uh, there was a. What, do you remember what the the, the web comic was called? Uh, the Finnish Nightmares is 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 the Finnish webcomic. Nightmares. Yes, that's a that became very popular in uh, mainland China, 
and a group and many people started referring to themselves as spiritually Finnish because they um, identified with the Finnish nightmares and I think it was possibly because um, yeah, China is a like, very densely populated country and some people just want to be left alone and so they were like yes we are spiritually Finnish they want to get drunk they want to be they don't want to talk to people unless it's absolutely necessary there's always the uh, level of distance you have to keep with each other even before corona i mean there's the famous picture of people waiting at the bus station and everyone is like uh like 10 feet apart from each other it's uh and that's why it's the happiest country on earth yeah exactly we are we are really happy here uh um don't ask uh, from people in Helsinki what they like to do. It's, uh, it's just don't that. Don't ask them. Don't ask that. Well, if you have a lot of people killing themselves, then the people left are happy. You're not wrong. It, it brings the total up. Yeah, I mean, I did wonder before if the in, in the Finnish occult underground there could be some kind of like, uh, dare I say it, sociomancy type thing where people charge up from like forcing themselves socially on people saying hello with a smile i mean i could see that in a lot of cultures um as some sort of adept that gets charges off of uh transgressing social boundaries it's just being that sort of adept in finland would be a lot easier oh yeah they would definitely get some easy charges that uh, that just literally made my hair hair just hair my skin just, just crawl <laughs> a stranger gives you a hug Oh yeah, ooh, similar ooh. to my um, uh, teacher jar from the the Cetosphere, the, um, the the magic school I made, where people deliberately try to lose face, and yeah. I was thinking of that yeah. in like an Asian context, but there's no reason why it wouldn't also work. Oh yeah, in you know cultures like Finnish, where Finland, where it's like let's just embarrass yourself in public, and and get a charge. And it seems Definitely. to me that that works better in cultures which. Um, that's less common. Well, I, you probably do it in more open cultures too. It's just harder to get charges. Being that sort of charger in New York would be a lot harder. Yeah. Well, New York City, I mean, because people are just very used to seeing crazy bullshit on the street. Yeah, I I've seen some some uh, weird people uh, when I visited Helsinki. I've I've, I've seen some uh, and heard about some weird people. There's uh, there's a guy. Um, called uh, this is like a superman outfit and he, he like does uh he does like uh he, what is it called like they have the rope between like two two like things it's uh oh tie, yeah. tie rope yeah tie, tie rope and then he's like it's on like really like few feet off the ground but he's like that's his thing he does that and then he's like selling like merchandise outside like a place and he's known as oh yeah he's the superman he's like uh, goes from place to place surely in helsinki there's like your standard sort of like buskers and thing like people playing music on the streets or does that oh yeah uh yeah um actually yeah m- music some there are some music players some I, I don't know exactly the legality of that but i know for a fact like um um begging here is illegal you cannot beg for beg money here you cannot you cannot also like oh interesting you can you cannot also by law like uh kickstarters are not legally a thing here you cannot like if you don't have a physical really? yeah you if you don't have a product or like a thing you can immediately like give in exchange for money 
there is a certain kind of like a law here that prevents so that. So can you can Finch just not do Kickstarters then? Uh, there are alternatives to that. There there are like these services that are like, hey, you you can ask for money, but you have to. There's like certain levels of stuff like you have to give well, some like loans and shit. I'd imagine, right? Well, yeah, loans loans are of course, but this is like more like uh, it's called. Uh, do you mean Kickstarters or do you mean like investments? I mean, like, kickstarter.com. Okay, and stuff. so like, Finn's just... Are you telling me that your government does not allow you guys to post things on kickstarter.com? I think... They will not let you receive the money. I think if, like, if you cannot provide something, like, in return, like, immediately, if it's like, no, hey, here, here's the thing, and I want to beg money, it's, it's like, literally considered, like, begging money, and you, you don't have anything to show in response that I, I think mean, is, like, considered illegal. I mean, it kind of is, but... That's it, that's crazy. All right. Yeah, it, there might be some changes in the law, but I remember a few years ago there was like really issue of like we want to like do all sorts of these like people are like all over the world are doing this kind of stuff and we cannot do it because our law like how we ask for money and it's like not it's fucking dumb. It's that's it kind of that's, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Some kind of crowdfunding must be allowed. Surely, because yeah, there, there, I, I said there, there is ground funds, but there's like it's uh there's it's a different name and it's it's with like you actually show something that you have actually to give out from it. And yeah, it's gonna, more like, like recruiting investors. Then. Yeah, yeah, but it works okay. pretty much the same as Kickstarter. Like, hey, here, here's our thing. Okay, give money that's back. that's kind of wild. Holy shit! Maybe it's all in the phrasing. Just saying, like, sure, sure would be nice. Someone would send me some money, but. I'm not gonna ask for it, but I will say what I would do theoretically if people sent me money through this platform. Uh, this is what I would do, but yeah. I, don't, I, I can I must never ask. Yeah, De- definitely you could see some like chargers being like, like uh, that would be. Oh well, yeah, like, I could uh, see a charging school that would get money off of that would get charges through, so, like panhandling that sort of shit, or Absolutely. just accruing money from uh, donations and whatnot. I like the idea of, like, say you can get minor charges from just panhandling and begging, but to get SIGs you have to beg them from adepts? You're like, come on, give me a SIG, please, yeah. I need a SIG. Oh god, that's good. Speaking of, like, uh, like magic schools, like, like specifically in, like, Finnish area and, like, money, there's a, there's a saying that um, a friend told me, um, only a Finn pays a hundred, so the neighbor doesn't get fifty. And it's basically kind of like this brightness that we have of like this if spitefulness some, yeah if somebody is doing better than you you have to show like oh i'm i'm doing better than you fuck you and uh i think for a lot of adepts here if somebody would try to do like a ritual or like try to like like get charges out i think it would have to be well if if he's getting that much charge then you have to get twice as much to be able to either counter them or perform, actually be able to perform it, which I think in the longer terms leads up to well, who's gonna be able to pay the price? That's that's a fun objective. Just sort of just like we okay, these guys have done this, so we have to do it as well because of course we do. I think it definitely shows up in our like sportsmanship stuff when like comparing stuff like oh Sweden's uh yeah we're gonna take care of them oh oh russia yeah we'll we'll take care of them. that's you know did you, did you watch the olympics no 
No, nope. no, no, no one cares. Uh, no one cares. No one cares about hockey. People were like, "Hell yeah, we beat uh, beat Russia." Even I, I don't care about hockey or like or like Olympics at all. But my like everyone around me were like, "Oh yeah, we 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 got him at the finals," and that that's the that's the major thing. And, and it's like, yeah, I think there's something about like that sort of like a national like kind of spirit that also gets a lot of people i think more of the older school people and you know people who are into sports more going into like here it's like i'm not a sports person i cannot talk about the intricacies like like is there a a skiing school of magic maybe i wouldn't know i don't like skiing well uh, yeah all right all right all right so all right so here's the question here's the question you get a hundred dollars you get a hundred free dollars but if you get that hundred dollars, then either a Swede or a or a Russian will also get a hundred dollars. Will you take the hundred dollars, and who will you choose? Um. Well, is it hundred dollars? Like, is it converted to euros, or is this like? Yeah, let's uh, say hundred euros. I guess. Okay, one hundred euros. euros. And and uh, and then a hundred euros would go pretty far in Russia right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we'll see how dated this will get. Um, yeah, um, immediately dating ourselves so maybe yeah. not um, the uh, 100 euros uh, if if it's me if it's them getting uh, your money as well I mean for me I'll, I'll take the 100 euros but if it's like if they if I take the 100 euros and they would get 200 euros then fuck him I'll I won't take the 100 euro let them suffer as well I, I want 200 there euros is this is this the flip side of uh, Sisu? Is it uh, let's make them suffer as well? It's, uh, we will endure suffering, but we're not going to do it alone. And yeah. so will you. Yeah, it's more about the yeah. We'll 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 manage to handle. We don't need the 100, uh, 100 euros. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's kind of like how how stoicism is supposed to be this very solitary and you know willpower driven thing. But Marcus Aurelius was addicted to opiates, so. Everyone finds their way through stoicism. And everyone, everyone has their struggles. And Finnish people like to drink, you know, beer with their with only their pants on on, on a Saturday morning. I think everyone likes to do that. Well, I think, that's we, a, I, think they, I think drinking beer in your underwear is a very uh, universal human experience. Sure, but we in the, we have a word for it, and we can. Yeah, but I assume it's, it's the fact that it's very cold adds to yes. it. Yeah, being alone, just, you know. Enjoying. All right, well, this has been great, Zomner, though. I think the question still remains, how the fuck do we get out of here? Um, well, I was going to offer, you know, the, the Estonian ice cream I still had in the fridge. I mean, Ooh. if you want, want to take a bite of it, I mean, I, I tried All it right. just uh, today. It's really, really good. Um, um, yeah, I don't think we talk about anything about Estonia at all. I, I gotta admit, I don't have much knowledge about it, but uh, um, hold on. I'm, I'm going to get the ice cream. Hold on. Yep, don't worry. Can't wait to have Estonian ice cream. Any, any minute now. Any minute now, I'll be back. Is the Estonian ice cream?